0: Hello and welcome to The Way Out Podcast. Andrew Logan here. Great to be with you for another episode today, episode number 44. And as always, I want to honor your time and I appreciate you being here and I want to thank you for that. And hopefully I can deliver some value, deliver some mindsets, some skill sets, and help you on your pathway to financial freedom. And of course, if you've ever listened to any of my other pods or my videos or anything like that, you'll know when I talk about financial freedom, it's not about simply making money it's about having multiple streams of income it's about how much time is involved in creating that income and it's about having smart money habits so if we think about our bank account our wealth as a lake if we've got bad financial habits and we're spending all our money we're sucking that lake dry we've got too many rivers creeks and streams pulling money out of the lake and the lake is always you know one (laughs) one sort of drought season away from going dry we want to have lots of rivers and creeks and streams feeding it so that the thing's overflowing so that we can deal with you know a bad season here and there or we can deal with like a little rock slide here or there so whether we're making active leveraged or residual income if there's only one income stream if there's only one river feeding that lake Something can go wrong. We're always kind of, you know, one thing away from disaster and that's unfortunately how a lot of people live Um, But that's what I love to help people, um, you know, work out and work through and develop those multiple streams of income so Let's talk property now Obviously before we even get into property when we talk about property there's a lot of different options and you know we talk about property you can you know buy and hold or you can get DA's done and you know subdivide you can renovate you can flip all these kind of things I'm just going to talk about kind of vanilla property investing for the moment and obviously as well when I talk about this you know if you do know me or if you've listened to you know a lot of my stuff you'll know Property is a vehicle that Angie and I love. We we do have a large property portfolio. It's something we love to talk about. It's something we love to always, I'm always on realestate.com. I'm always looking for more property investing because I do love it as a vehicle. The issue that I have is the way it's sold and the way it's coached and the way it's trained. And, you know, whether subconsciously or consciously by some people, there are people out there training property investment incorrectly. And because of that, we have really stats that prove that most property investors won't have success. Most property investors will fail to have their property be a successful investment. And I know in Australia, and I talk a little bit about some of like the Australian rules and and laws coming down a bit, but again, it's all about mindset. But I know in Australia, it's, you know, 95% of property investors will own one or two houses, And it's a tiny percent of people that will have more than five, a tiny, tiny percent. So as always, if the majority are doing something one way and failing, we need to go the opposite way, right? If we find ourselves in the majority, it's time to pause and reflect, you know, one of my favorite quotes. And it's that matter of, okay, well, looking at the way property is sold and looking at the way property is taught and coached, I need to do the opposite, so I want to talk about the way it's sold and, and what people are, are sort of training and coaching out there and then why it's not correct and then what we need to do to sort of flip side and live on the other side. Because for Angie and I, you know, we've been able to create this great portfolio. We know that puts us in the the very, very small percentage And we created that by looking at property differently and not following. Well, initially I did. Initially I followed what I was taught and what I was taught at the seminars, et cetera. Um, But I quickly figured out that it wasn't going to work. And when I extrapolated the data out I'm like, hang on, 40, 50 years down the track, this thing's not actually going to do what it says it's going to do. So let's look at that. So. One of the things that's generally sold and you talk to someone, you talk to agents or you talk to people at conferences and stuff like that, and what they're going to say is, you know, just buy kind of any house at the end of the day, but you find a good house in a good neighborhood and in seven to 10 years or so, it's going to double in value. So you buy the house now, you're gonna lose a little bit of money along the way, of course, but don't worry, there's tax advantages and, and negative gearing as it's known, and we can claim some of that back and we can kind of reduce some of your tax hit through these tax advantages of your property, etc. So you might lose a little bit of money each week, but don't worry because in seven to 10 years, and we'll, 10 years for the for the sake of this podcast, because it's simpler, in about 10 years, it will double. So we're gonna go out and buy this house for half a million dollars, And in in 10 years time, we're going to sell it for a million, right? Simple. Doesn't that sound so simple? Doesn't that sound so easy? Doesn't that sound so safe? And again, I think one of the reasons people love property investing is because they can physically see it. I remember Oprah, I remember seeing Oprah interviewing Donald Trump. This was oh, however many years ago now, it's like 20 years ago. And they were talking about how they both love property because they could just drive past and see it. And, you know, God's not making any more land. I can see the land. I know what I own, etc. But let's look at some of the problems that go on with what's sold here. So the first thing is this concept of negative gearing. And I remember, you know, I remember this was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all over this thing at the start because I was a a young professional with, you know, a good income and I was single and my living expenses were pretty low. So I was sitting there like, okay, you know, I I can crush this thing and I'm going to get all these tax advantages. And I realized quite quickly, hang on, something's not right here. Because what they're selling in negative gearing is essentially it's okay to lose $100 a week because you're going to get $50 back at the end of the year. Now, there are ways that you can, again, you can see your accountant. This is not financial advice, but there are ways you can get that back every week instead of wait until the end of the year. But even so, if I have to lose $100 to save $50, I'm still down $50 a week. And that's not sustainable, Now, yes, as a 23-year-old young professional with, you know, living in a rental house with your mates and very low expenses and, you know, no real debt, a little bit of student debt, but that was sort of it. Okay, yes, it's sustainable for a little while, but then if I buy two houses, then I'm going to be down, you know, $100 a week, $200 a week first, and then I might get $100 a week back in tax advantages, but I'm going to max out at some point, right? There's only so much tax I can save, Before I finish up these advantages and that's why for me so many people cap out Like 95% of people cap out at that one to two houses Because that's all they can afford to lose each week every week for years and years and years and years And you know, I mean think about like Tax savings are always sold and people say oh well, you know I bought this I upgraded the car because the tax savings were good or and I bought this because of the tax savings and it's like well, don't spend ten dollars to save five That doesn't work at the end of the day. Like, if you think it's really good value and you want it and the tax advantage is the cherry on top, great. I love the tax advantages that property gives us, but they are the cherry on the top. I'm not going out to buy property just to get the tax advantages. So... You know, if you're not sure about this one, give me $10 and I'll give you 5 back and we'll just do that every week for the next 10 years and we'll see who wins at the end of the day, right? I'm going to win at the end of the day. And, And your tax department, your government will win if you keep giving them $100 a week and they only give you $50 back, right? You're going to lose $50 a week and then at some point, you're going to sit there and go, oh, I can't afford this anymore. I've got to pay bills with that $50 a week. I've got to buy food for myself and my family. I've got to buy fuel for my car. I've got to pay my phone with that $50 a week. So that's one of the first things, right? But let's move to the really big one. And this is where, you know, I might give you a little bit of a headache because we're going to talk some numbers and we're going to talk some figures. But this is the reality. So what they sell is, as I said, like let's buy this house for half a million dollars and then in 10 years time, we're gonna sell it for a million dollars, okay? Nice and simple. That's essentially a 7% return. If you get a 7% growth year on year compounded, every 10 years, you'll double your money, okay? Rule of 72, Google it. But the rule of 72, the, the compound effect, etc., will basically say that that half a million dollar house that it's 7% growth, will be worth a million dollars down the track. Now, obviously there's property booms and market movements. We're just gonna ignore all that for the moment. That's luck, you know, that's, that's a bit of timing and a bit of luck and, and if people can make educated guesses, but we're still working on a bit of luck there. But here's the problem. What they're saying is, look, it's okay to lose $100 a week because A, you'll get $30, $40, maybe $50 back if you've got a a high tax bracket, like a high income like I did. You get a high tax bracket. If you're not in a high tax bracket, you might get $30 or so back, but we're going to get some money back at the end of the year. That's okay. And when we sell it in 10 years time, we're going to double your money. So it's okay to be losing money each week for 10 years because we're going to double it later. But what we haven't taken into account yet is inflation. So the first thing is inflation. So that in 10 years time, something that's valued at a million dollars in 10 years time is something that's valued, very different to something that's valued a million dollars right now. Something that's worth a million dollars now isn't as interesting as something that's, is is, sorry, is far more interesting than something that's worth a million dollars in 10 years time. Because the power of our dollar, the power of our currency changes. And that's going to be the same whether we have cryptocurrency or fiat currencies or digital currencies or we go back to gold-backed standard dollars like we used to. Whatever it is, that's a reality of society. That's a reality of inflation that as the inflatory effect of our monetary system goes up, the power of our dollar goes down. So even if we use a very conservative 2%, and this this is very conservative because it's more at the moment, If we lose 2% a year, again, compounded, they're gonna say it's going up at 7% a year, but we're actually losing 2% of that minimum. So now it's only going up at four or 5%. And really, at the end of the day, we've lost about 20% of that growth. So the half a million dollars up to a million dollars, it's now about half a million dollars up to 800,000. Now, still good, right? but we've actually, it's not as good as it used to be. And we've only looked at one and two things, like we've looked at the negative gearing issue. We've only talked about inflation. Then we've got capital gains tax. Now, again, different in every country, different numbers, but in Australia, it's basically 30%. So we've got to pay 30% capital gains when we sell. So all of a sudden that Three hundred thousand dollars effective, like five hundred thousand dollars up to a million, but let's bring it back to about eight hundred thousand dollars because of inflation. I've got to pay thirty percent tax on that as well. So even if we just did the simple half a million up to a million, and I made five hundred thousand dollars, i got to pay back one hundred fifty thousand of that. Now again, different countries, different laws. These are crude, rough, vanilla figures. Okay. But all of a sudden it's not looking quite as interesting, is it? Because we've actually lost 20% of our money along the way, and we've lost 30% of our money in tax. And here's the cherry on top that in in Australia, different everywhere, yes, but in Australia, all those tax advantages that you've been taking for the last 10 years, you've got to pay them back. So you have to pay them back when you sell, and they never tell you about that. You don't find that out until you sell. So all of a sudden, My half a million dollars in growth has actually gone back to about $800,000. Then I've paid tax. Then I've been paying back all these tax savings that I've been having. So all of a sudden, that huge doubling of our money is actually 60, 70, 80% less than what it's promised. Now, yes, still at the end of the day, if I bought a house of $500,000 and I sold it and I took all of those things into account and I made $100,000, $150,000, yes, of course, that's still great money. But really, like, is $150,000, like, over 10 years, like, I mean, that's a huge commitment. And can we retire off that? That's the thing. $150,000 is fantastic. Like, if someone gave me $150,000 tomorrow, of course, I would not be upset. But if I'm capped at one to two houses because of the cash flow hit that I have, so maybe I can max out because I'm a young professional with great tax breaks and, you know, high income and very low expenses, maybe I could buy two houses, but that's it, right? So now I've got maybe $300,000 and I can't retire off that, you know, that's a really nice holiday, etc. cetera, but I can't retire off that. It's a great injection, but I can't retire off that. And if I want to then turn around and buy more property with this $300,000 that I have, well, they're all costing a million dollars now. All of a sudden, all the properties that I want to buy are twice the price as they used to be 10 years ago. So I've gone through this whole process. And yes, as I said, I'm not saying that there isn't money to be made, but it's not the freedom vehicle if we're doing it this way. If we're growing it this way, if we're looking at that, what we need to understand always is the difference between a capital gains investment and a cash flow investment. So if we are buying property purely for the goal to just sit and hold and do nothing and we're willing to lose money and we're willing to lose money every week for 10, 15, 20 years and maybe get some back and all that, and we're willing to budget for this huge tax hit that will come in with our capital gains, with our um, you know with paying back all these negative gearing, and we're taking on the inflationary issues, yes, okay, there's gonna be some money at the end of the day, but it's not gonna provide the freedom that we really want. We have to be looking at property as a cash flow producing vehicle. And the only way to do that is to understand that rental income, rental yield, is everything and normally when we're selling these more blue chip style properties in good neighborhoods that will go up all these things normally the rental isn't as good as what it's promised and that's the key they'll like you know people will maybe exaggerate the truth slightly but we have to buy properties that bring us money in every week and people will say yes but if i'm making money i have to pay tax Well, yay, wouldn't you rather make $10 a week and give back five than lose $10 a week and maybe get back five, maybe get back two or three, maybe. Wouldn't you rather do that? Wouldn't you rather be making $100 a week? And yes, maybe you've got to give 30, 40, 50 of that back at the end of the year, but you've still made 50, 60, $70. So they're harder to find. It is much, much harder to find a house that will give you positive cash flow rent. But that's the only way to really find financial freedom through property because j- the figures just do not add up for unless you inherited millions of dollars and you can go out and buy five or six houses, bang, and just pay them off in cash, all that kind of stuff, unless you're incredibly fortunate there. If you're the mom and dad investor, if you're working and you've got, your, you know, you've got an extra income in and you're looking for places to put it, don't put it into something that is going to eat money out of your pocket every week. And maybe provide something if the market is, you know, stable and there's no ups or downs, there's no problems, there's no, nothing, nothing, nothing. And inflation stays like at this point. I mean, inflation's rising at the moment. All these factors are in place. We can take all of those factors out of place by finding those, you know, diamonds in the rough and finding houses that give us positive cash flow rent from day one. And then, if we do sell them down the track whatever that's a bonus we don't have to time the market we don't have to you know worry about selling for the wrong reasons or and this is the big thing that happens and this was part of the GFC you know 2007 2008 part of the GFC was the fact that people were so over leveraged on their cash flow with their properties that is you know if they lost their job and they couldn't afford to lose 100 200 300 dollars a week that to fire sale of their houses if I'm making money from my properties every week and it goes up every year, thanks to inflation, because with inflation, rents go up. And as you know, as you pay off more of your loan, the interest hit goes down. And so the rent improves and that positive yield improves. If in 10, 15 years, I'm making three, $400 a week from the property, I don't need to sell. You know, and I can just sell it for the cream on top. I can sell it at the end of the day. You know what? We'll just get rid of that one because, you know, whatever. And we go and have a nice holiday. But we have to understand the cash flow producing vehicle in property, it's rent. And if your rent is above all your expenses, buy that property. That's going to be a great investment. If the rent is below, then we're hoping for capital gains growth and hope is not an investment strategy. Losing money every week is not an investment strategy. Having significant six figure tax bills at the end is not an investment strategy. So. Look for the places. And often, as I said, they don't pop up straight away. They tend to be the places that other people are like, well, I'm not quite sure about this one. But when you buy property, you don't buy the property that you wanna live in. You don't buy you know, the house that you would love to live in. We always say, you, you know, when you buy property, you buy a spreadsheet. When really, when you buy a property, you buy the ability to earn more money in rent than you pay in expenses. And if you do the spreadsheet out and you work out your expenses and you work out your rent, and if one is better than the other, then you go ahead and that's the key and that's why so many people fail in property because they're not just they're not taught those things and people are again either actively or subconsciously or deceptively not telling them about all these things down the track and when they finally get around to having to sell their house things can go wrong because if people are selling their house out of a need that's when they get the wrong price that's when they get a desperate to sell and that's when these you know doubling over 7 to 10 years figures don't always add up So if you buy a positive cash flow place and you can buy them and then you can use that one to buy another one and then you can use that cash flow to buy more and more and more, then you've got huge numbers of property growing and they're all growing and it's all great and it's all a bonus. So as always guys, I hope that helps. I hope that just gives you that extra bit of education, gives you that little bit of mindset and in anything at the end of the day, if it doesn't put money into your pocket, we can't call it an asset. If it's not putting cash into your pocket every single day, it's not an asset, it's a liability. It's harder to find assets because most people are trying to sell liabilities. And I say I talk about it in my book. If, if I'm selling a house, do not buy it. <laughs> you know, if you ever see me selling a house like, oh, Andrew's selling a house, I should buy it. No, Th- there's a reason I'm getting rid of it. I wouldn't get rid of it if it gave me money every week. If something's giving me money every week, I am not selling it. I'm keeping it forever. If something is, you know, something goes wrong with that house or the market moves or something goes wrong and I've got to get rid of it it's because it's not giving me money. So don't buy it, please, because it's not worth buying. But as always, guys, I hope that helps. I hope you got value out of that. As always, if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to me, let me know, and I can help you out with that way. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode and coming up to episode number 50 as well. So we can have it bring on a special guest for you then. Otherwise, guys, hope you have an amazing, amazing week and you get closer to your financial freedom goals before the next time I see you. We'll catch you then. Bye.